Welcome to Love Punch, challenging entrepreneurs, artists, and thought leaders to make a lasting impact. I'm your host, Ruby Fremont, and I'm here as a catalyst for you, the new generation of thought leaders. I'm a kick-ass life coach, a bullshit detector, and courageous communicator. I'll show you how to take bold action and create massive impact through a powerful process that I call CPR. Courage, persistence, and resilience to go after what you really fucking want. It's time to unapologetically do what you're here to do and do it your way. So get ready and let's make shit happen. What's up, everyone? I am beyond excited for today's conversation for two reasons. One, this episode is actually a two-parter that's going to be jam-packed with real-as-fuck talk about entrepreneurship. We're going to be discussing all the shit they don't tell you about entrepreneurship. And number two, I'm having this conversation with my UK bestie, Cheryl Muir. So Cheryl and I first met in 2014 um, through our coaching certification program, and our coaching classes were hosted via uh, Skype. So we were thrown right into the pit in terms of building a friendship because we practiced coaching on each other. Now, since then, our friendship has grown immensely, and she's become one of my closest friends and biz besties. So on to her official bio. Cheryl is a media strategist based in the UK. She's a former public relations executive who spent five years winning media coverage for multinational companies before she started her business, which she's been running for a further three years. Cheryl and her clients have been featured in media outlets such as The Wall Street Journal, BBC, Inc., Mind Body Green and the Huffington Post, as well as numerous podcasts, magazines, newspapers, and radio stations in the UK, the US, and Canada. So, needless to say, she is pretty fucking amazing and has a saucy British accent to boot. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the amazing introduction. <laughs> See guys, saucy British accent. <laughs> so it was, you know, some of the stuff that me and you have been discussing just on our personal phone calls a lot is, you know, the stuff they don't tell you about entrepreneurship. And we've, you know, had this relationship between the two of us where we've been able to just dive deep into it and be real as fuck about the challenges that we face as entrepreneurs and the stuff they don't prepare you for and what really happens and the mind fuckery. So I thought it would be awesome to just have you on so we can have this conversation openly because, man, there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there that I feel are being duped and being sold into programs and packages that make these false promises about what's to what to expect and it's time to really unveil the truth of, of entrepreneurship and, and how hard this, this journey really is and what it takes to be on mm. it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's lift the veil. <laughs> Where do we start? <laughs> Should we start with the mind? Well, I, I was going to say, like, there's just, uh, this is a two-parter, but I mean, we could talk for days about this. Let, let's start with mindfuckery. Okay. So mindfuckery is a term I coined 
which, you know, it, it's the stuff that goes on in your head. You know, it's the inner critic or your inner asshole, whatever you call it. It's all the conversations that you have with yourself in your head. And holy shit, as an entrepreneur, doesn't it feel like that mindfuckery is amplified? <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. I mean, I every day there's a moment, not all day every day, but at some point during the day, I'll be thinking, um, am I crazy? Like, there's that <laughs> question on the daily. It's different. It's a different way of life. Um, and I think if you're not surrounded by other entrepreneurs, not to get too sort of incestuous with entrepreneurship, but if you don't have other entrepreneurs around you, you will think you're crazy because it is a different lifestyle. Right. So surrounding yourself with fellow entrepreneurs is mm. is one of the keys to, to really helping navigate through the mindfuckery. And I agree because you know, not everyone understands what it is that we do as entrepreneurs and how crazy things can really get. I mean, there are times when, I mean, I just got off, what was it, like an eight month or seven month, um, seven months of working six days a week straight. Mm -hmm. And and if you're not an entrepreneur, you don't necessarily understand that. You kind of ask, well, why? Why are you working yourself to the core? Like, why are you mm -hmm. doing this? Why are you working six days a week? It's like, uh, because I'm building my fucking empire. Hello. <laughs> right. I posted a, I think somebody called it cocky, actually, um, post on LinkedIn the other day. I should share it on every, every other channel because it, it was some good shit. But I was basically saying, um, headhunters, stop. Uh, recruiters stop headhunting entrepreneurs because yeah, we're perfectly happy working 80 hours a week for ourselves instead of 40 hours a week for somebody else. And if you don't understand why, um, what, what are you doing in 20 years time? We'll book you in for dinner at one of our houses and explain why we worked the way that we did. Right. So yeah, maybe right. it was a little cocky, but we're taking the long view right? We're taking the long view. And, and if you're working a nine to five you're, and you're living for the weekend, you're not going to understand that perspective. Mm. So we do work a lot, but we we're, we're looking at the long-term ROI effectively, aren't we? We're looking at what am I going to get from this in the long term and what am I contributing to the world in the long term? What's my, you know, I know at, at your event in, in LA, which I attended, which was beautiful by the way. Thank you. Um, it was, it was incredible. Um, you know, you were talking about what's what's my legacy? What am I going to leave behind? And let's face it, most people that are working nine to fives are not asking that question. They're in that kind of survival stage. If you look at that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're mm -hmm. in that kind of basic survival mode, right? Let's, you know, go to work so we get the paycheck so that we can pay the rent and survive. Whereas we're more moving into that self-actualization and that community building at the top of the pyramid not that that's better or worse but it's different we're thinking about how do I make my life here mean something and that's a very different mindset to going to work and collecting a paycheck mm, that's so true uh you know a lot of people it's like a rat race I find the, mm. that the nine to five feels like a rat race and it's monotonous and it can it can you know, there's two types of people who work nine to fives. There's the type who are really in just the monotony of it and it feels easy to them. And then there's those who are really challenging themselves and moving up the ladders and expanding within their nine to fives. True. That's, you know, and, and whatever is right for, for whoever, you got to find your jam. And then there's entrepreneurship. And I think over the past at least five years, it feels like there's been more and more talk around entrepreneurship, but the way that it's being discussed online by quote unquote business coaches and strategists is as if it's super easy. 
Like they're telling people, hey, quit your nine to five job and start following your purpose and then make money off of it. Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And then people do it and then they do all the things and they fail and they've got nothing to lean on and they feel destroyed and they feel distraught and they're just left hanging and they've just invested all this money in these business coaches. And, you know, it's like this vicious cycle. And I feel like our industry, the people in our industry and entrepreneurship are perpetuating this massive problem right now with new entrepreneurs feeling as if like, oh yeah, this is going to be super easy. I just have to do these things and, and it'll be good. Do you know what? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And do you know what I think it is? I think it's the entrepreneurs that have been doing it for 10 years and they've paid their dues and they've earned their stripes and they've worked 80 hours a week. And now they've, they've built systems and they've built a following so they can take quite easy action and mm-hmm. know that anyone who falls into their net, if you will, gets into one of their funnels and they have that self-sustaining system. But if it's somebody that's been doing that for 10 years and has all of those systems in place and has that platform built, saying to a brand new entrepreneur, oh, it's easy, I only work, I don't know, whatever, 10, 20 hours a week, if that's what they do, mm-hmm. saying that to somebody who's starting out is really leading them down the garden path because it's just not true. Mm-hmm. They're at a completely different stage of their business and you're, they're not telling them the truth that you are going to have to work harder than you've ever worked before. There's going to be times when you want to give up. You're going to think you're absolutely nuts. You're going to lose all your money. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have any income for months on end. It's really scary. And um, to that end, I honestly, I do advocate for new entrepreneurs staying in their day job for a little bit to have mm. that backup and that doesn't make you less of an entrepreneur it's actually very entrepreneurial to give yourself what you need as you're starting up your business I um was in a day job for the first year of my business and thank god honestly mm-hmm. because I, I needed to be I made no money in my first year of business like not a cent I've never mm. said that before but it's really good to share that <laughs> relief yeah. yeah and I'm so happy that you shared that uh you know and this is the honest truth like like I told you guys listening like this is real as fuck conversation Cheryl didn't make a dime in her mm. first year of of entrepreneurship is as, as a coach at that time right so that that was yeah, when you were correct. Yeah. Coach. yeah yeah and um I love what you brought up about the keeping the job so when I right before I really started this entrepreneurial endeavor with my coaching business I was running another business, which was my social media company, and it was running beautifully well. You know, I never paid a cent for advertising and clients just came to me. I was super blessed with that business. And I went to uh, attend Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie Masterclass in New York City in 2014. And I remember asking a question because I was done with that business. I just emotionally didn't feel aligned with it anymore. And I really wanted to build my coaching business. And so I, I raised my hand and I asked, okay, so do I just end this business and move into my coaching business. And they were like, well, you're making money, right? And I said, yeah. And making money feels easy in that business. And I was like, yeah. Okay, cool. So what if you were just to reframe and think of that business as your investor and it's investing Mm. in what you're building. And then you take all the free time that you have and you build your business on the side until it gets to a place where it feels a little more sustainable and you continue to let go of the old business. So I did that. And it was one of the healthiest things I'd ever done because one, it it alleviated so much pressure to make the money, you know, and and for two, it 
it helped me direct my energy where it needed to go. So I literally was spending all of my spare time building this amazing business on the side. I find that sometimes when we have too much time, we don't know how to allocate it, but this was very direct. And eventually I let go of the social media business, but I don't know. I think I I personally feel like it's such a disservice to those who are out there for all these coaches to say, hey, quit your nine to five without even knowing the story. Because what if someone really needs the money to pay their mortgage and all the real things and then support their family? And then you're telling them, hey, just quit that and then take this big risk and not have anything to support you. I mean, there's no, it's like what you said, Cheryl, there's no shame in keeping the nine to five, but it's reframing. It's reframing and saying, Hey, my nine to five is my investor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to bring up something that, you know, pisses me off, frankly. Um, People saying that you can manifest the money when you start out. Oh my fucking God. Where (laughs) are we going to go with this? I mean, I know. Should I mention it? Because I know we're both going to get really talking about Um, so I I, all the money (laughs) manifest it here's what happens though like when entrepreneurs get into this entrepreneurs in the spiritual space particularly what happens is you start to get because I know because I've I've been there you start to get really afraid of paying the rent (laughs) making Mm -hmm. your car payments and then what happens you get in this really fear-based state which is not just an emotion it's very real you're worried about paying the bills right Mm -hmm. and then what happens is because you're so afraid, you start making all this fear-based copy and and videos and promotion. And that's when you get all of this really negative uh, narrative online. People are so afraid that they're making these fear-based promotional posts because they're in a state of fear because they don't have what they need. So Mm -hmm. it sort of perpetuates this cycle of of fear and negativity online. And and we do not need any more of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell tell our listeners a bit more about the fear-based posts, what you're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So I had this theory a a little while ago and I've never shared it before. So sort of excuse me as I work it through and chunk it out in my head. Um, I remember for me when, when, when I've been in a really good place in my business financially, when I felt supported like now, um, I'm able to share and feel really grateful. I feel grateful. So my posts are very, um, how do I describe this? They're just very heartfelt, you know, they're very Mm -hmm. honest, they're very heartfelt. It's very much like, you know, if this is for you, great, join the program. If not, that's cool. Whereas when I was really struggling financially, I would be kind of like, you've got to sign up for this thing because it's the best Mm -hmm. thing ever. And because I was afraid, I needed the money, right? So it put me Mm -hmm. in a really fearful state. And so I was making all of these statements, which were true, but it was just, it came from a place of fear and then fear was masked with arrogance. Whereas now it's more a case of, I feel supported so I can just be myself. And that feels mm-hmm. so much better. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, and when, when we're feeling fear or lack or scarcity, you know, when we feel those things, we get into a an energy or vibration of desperation and that is read in in everything that we do because it's all energetic right so our posts and what we write and the way in which we try and enroll people it's all fear-based and I'm so glad that you brought that up Mm. and even when you have calls with people it's almost like the desperation people can fucking feel the desperation even if you think you're masking it (laughs) Have you ever been on a call with, say, a supplier that you were going to hire and they they had that perspective of de- desperation? It's just the worst thing to be on the receiving end of. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Versus like what you're talking about right now, where you're in the space of like, Hey, if this is for you, cool. If it's not cool, you know, and, um, it's interesting that you bring that up right now in this juncture in my business where, you know, I've just gone through seven months of, of tearing everything down. And I feel like I'm in my fourth year of business, but I'm in actually in year one because I'm rebuilding. And so I'm in the space of, you know, I I've just gone through a major dry spell of not making any money and I'm enrolling for a program right now, but because I've done so much work on my mindset and gotten so much clarity on on how I want my business to feel and run, I'm able to go out there and create posts and write things and have calls from that space of, hey, if this is right, then it's right. But if it's not, it's not. And we're not going to push it. And it's so different. And I think for entrepreneurs who are, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening and you're in your first or second year of business, these, the two first two years are, I mean, Cheryl, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but those are the most challenging. I mean, year one is the most challenging. And then year two is like, can feel even more challenging because you kind of start to learn how to make money, but you also learn how to lose money. (laughs) (laughs) I I felt like year two was the big investment year because you've already set shit up. You've already got your website and your photographs and et cetera, et cetera. And then in year two, you start, I personally, this was my, my experience. I got into the, let's hire the five figure coaches and they can help me make 10K a month. And I got, I went through that whole stage. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, for me, the second year in business was tougher than the first because the first year I had my day job. So I I was just really playing house with a business, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I was Mm -hmm. making cute little graphics and, you know, doing the whole thing and getting used to social media and using that for business. Um, But the second year was was real. What actually happened? And again, this is something I've never shared before, but I was actually made redundant from my safe day job that was meant to be invested my investor for my business um I got made redundant from that they were doing a whole load of layoffs so that safe job everyone that you're staying in it's not so safe um but they paid me out for like two or three months or something so I had a bit of a nest egg there that soon went I went straight into my savings I was hiring people that second year was really tough and Mm -hmm. I think because it was my second year I was really mind fucking myself Mm -hmm. because I was saying to myself, well, I've been doing this for over a year now, I should know what to do. Mm. So for me, there was certainly a lot of self judgment of um, not knowing how to do better, and not really having my full mindset sorted out um, in terms of myself, but also in terms of my business. Um, Year two was really tough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that. I mean, the self judgment, and and feeling Mm. like, okay, I I really should know this by now. But yet, we're kind of comparing ourselves to people who have been in business for, you know, 10 plus years, and we see what they're doing. And we're like, wow, we should know this by now, but we're in year two, you know, and, and, but it's because especially for those who have purpose driven businesses, like, this is our baby, this is what we want to, to bring into the world. This is the impact we want to create. So we're so emotionally invested in everything that we do that it becomes tough to to detach our worth from our you know quote unquote success you know we mm. we assume that because i'm not making money or this isn't working or i'm in debt that i'm not worthy and that's another like big fucking lie too that i think is is spread like wildfire in our industry that the idea of hey charge what you're worth oh, oh my god. god i hate that <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. For those of you yeah, who are listening, I mean, if you have a coach who has told you to charge what you are worth, please fire them today. Okay. And fire them immediately. Why. Yes. Because like your worth, if you were to charge what you were worth, you'd be charging a price tag of priceless because we are all priceless. Mm. So to say that you're charging what you're worth is such fucking mind fuckery. Like it, it fucks with you. And, and so what I always say and what's worked for me, because I did that whole thing. I did that whole thing where I started and I, I started a really high price and it felt absurd. And then I went back and what worked was doing tiers, like starting at a price that felt really comfortable for me to be able to say, and then filling my business and then mm. elevating the price and then filling and then elevating because you yourself, whether you're selling a product or a service, you need to refine that product or service because that product or service has to be worthy of the price. Not you, but you know, if you're a coach, for example, have you really spent the time to refine your skills as a coach? You know, just coming out of school doesn't make you the best coach on earth. I mean, Cheryl can attest to that. Oh, goodness. I mean, I can go in so many different directions with this, but um, there are so many coaches out there. I'm, I'm just going to say it on popular opinion, but there are so many coaches out there who are more focused on their sales and their marketing than their coaching. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. absolute bullshit. I mean, you and I were in coaching school for an intensive six months and that was intensive. It was, I don't know what it was, 10 hours a week of whatever mm-hmm. it was in lessons plus our own personal study. And because we're both, you know, <laughs> high achievers, we were all <laughs> you know, we were reading, you know, Richard Litvin's book in our spare time and all of that. Um, and then there's people, because coaching is obviously an unregulated industry, there's people who wake up one day and go, oh, I'm a coach today. Like what other right. industry can you do that in? It's crazy. And so they're getting into this whole charge what you're worth and they're charging 10K for a coaching package and they've never coached before. Yeah. That's nuts. It's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. And, you know, and whatever your business is, like there's no shame. Again, there's no shame in charging a good fair price to start. Fill your business at that price. Start there. And then once it's filled, raise your prices. I mean, there's too many people, and you touched on this, Cheryl, where it's like you're not you're spending more time marketing and writing social media posts and creating pretty Instagram grids than you are on the thing that you are a professional in, whether that's coaching mm. or whether that's doing strategy, like you're spending more time doing all this other shit. Well, that means you're not actually working. So gain clients, get some clients under your belt and get that practice in and sharpen your tools because that is how you evolve as an entrepreneur and you start to really hone in on your gifts. I mean, all of these strategies that are floating around in, floating around in this entrepreneurial space, sure, there are some great strategies out there, but a lot of it I feel is is cookie cutter and it doesn't work for everyone, you know? So charging these high rates and you're straight out of school, like that might not work for you. And if you don't have the confidence or the belief in yourself, if there's even like a little smidgen of you that doesn't believe in it, then that's going to come across to the potential client. They're not going to want to sign with you. So, Mm. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, (laughs) 
if we're old fashioned. I mean, I'm not going to reveal old my fashioned. age, but um, you know, are we are we old fashioned now, Ruby? That we believe in hard work, and these these newbies don't. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. But what? When did hard work become such a dirty word? Oh, you know, you've got to work hard. I'm sorry. Like you've you've got to roll up your sleeves and get your hands metaphorically dirty. You've, there's no other way to do it. You've got to work for it. And if yeah. there's a shortcut, like, let me know because I haven't discovered it. You've got to hone your craft and you've got to work on it. And there's so many people spending time on shit that just doesn't matter mm-hmm. because someone else is selling it to them because it's an easy sell for them to make money. It's like right. the, the modern day equivalent of like get rich quick. Right, you know, it's it's, yeah. uh, it's just yeah. There's there's so much I could say, but that, well, I'll leave I have it at that. A, I have an example of that that showcases that that I think you'll find especially funny. So it's like all these PR <laughs> specialists out there oh, who are okay. selling these absurd. Not and this isn't this isn't Cheryl, by the way. She doesn't do no. this, but all these like PR experts out there who sell these absurd packages to green entrepreneurs, promising them they'll create these false promises. They'll say, oh, I can get you on this, 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 and this. But then here's our fine print disclaimer. We do not guarantee this, 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 and that. And, right. and I've had so many friends invest in PR. And, and to me, I've always felt it was kind of silly. Like you don't have anything built, but you want the PR and the fame. Like what are you going to build the PR and fame on? And this is just like an example of people selling bullshit and feeding off of entrepreneurs because these entrepreneurs are entering the entrepreneurial world not fully educated on what it actually takes to gain the success that they Mm. want yeah I mean preach it I was uh (laughs) honestly um I I wanted to insert a gif into what you said then I remembered we're not on the internet we're talking so I had to get my brain like in in gear um Yeah, I remember being on a um, a client call, a, a discovery call um, in my first 12 months of business with a, a lady who said to me, I want to be in Cosmopolitan because Gabby Bernstein is. Mm. And I'm like, oh, for goodness sake, there's so many things I could say about that. But, um, you know, she was so focused on getting the, the fame. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her social media profiles. And you know, I go through this process, th- the three levels of influence, where I look at someone's social media, then pitch them to online media. So guest blogging and podcasts, and then finally mainstream media like TV, radio and major magazines. So she was on level one of building her social media, she'd bought Twitter followers, which were, mm. I could tell it that she'd bought them, she had no engagement, so she had 10k. Um, her profile image was like a selfie the graphics were really bad and I'm like okay let's look at your brand side by side and I'll tell you why nobody myself included can get you in cosmopolitan until you do this this and this and you Mm -hmm. have this period of time and this much media coverage behind you and you've really earned your stripes and you've done the rounds with the speaking gigs and you've got the clients and you've released the books and 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 mm-hmm. um and there's there's just like there's a lot of bullshit in coaching there's a lot of bullshit in PR mm-hmm. um most people are not calling themselves PR experts they call themselves visibility experts well what the fuck mm-hmm. is that like I, I worked in PR in the real world for five years. I worked for the largest PR firm in Canada and worked for multinationals. And I signed a non-disclosure agreement that survives leaving the firm. So I can't say who I work for, but they're big fucking firms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know what it's like behind the scenes. PR is is not fluff. It's it's really nuts and bolts communication strategy. And for people to call themselves like a, a visibility expert or a some kind of branding expert when they haven't worked in that 
that real industry, it pisses mm-hmm. me right off. I mean, I'm getting out of PR, so it's not a competition thing for me. <laughs> um, but it just pisses me off that people are getting ripped off and they're giving PR people a bad name, right? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, for everyone listening who's an entrepreneur, this let this be a lesson for you. Let this conversation serve you in in being more having more due diligence with where you invest your money. If you are not investing more money into yourself as in honing your craft, as in getting better, as in becoming better, as in expanding upon your skill set and you're just trying to divide all that money onto promises for for rich and fame, then you're investing in the wrong things. You need to start mm. by investing in yourself in honing in on your craft and becoming better for your clients in sharpening your toolbox, because that is where the value lies. And that is where clients are going to experience something different from you, right? Because it, the entrepreneurial space is so saturated and there's so many people doing the same things. What makes you different is the quality of what you have to offer. Yeah. And let's not forget good old word of mouth, you know, um, <laughs> it might not be word of mouth, like in the old days where you talk over the back fence. I sound like I'm like your grandmother now, I'm 70 years old. Um, but, you know, you might, if someone says, Hey, I'm looking for a coach, who do you recommend? Everyone's like, Oh, Ruby Freeman's amazing. I had a session with her and she's really, really good at what she does. I mean, people will obviously look at then your brand and your pictures, which are perfect and beautiful, not perfect, but you know, they're, they're excellent and, and of a great stand. Yeah. Cause I know we're not about perfection for perfection. Um, but people will check you out online for sure, but someone's going off a recommendation that you're good at what you do. And that's so much more powerful than people just, shouting over each other on the internet trying to make themselves look better than their competition which is bullshit yeah yeah totally and I know you've had clients who have come to you through recommendations I've had clients Mm. who have come to me through word of mouth and you know there's something else that it's like that idea that um you know there's business programs out there that tell you okay you have to have your website done you have to have your business cards done you have to have your logo done you have to have all these things done before you actually start working and that my friends is wrong okay you don't have to have all those things done um we're nearing our 30 minute mark so maybe we can continue this part Mm. of the conversation in part two cheryl what do you think yeah, I've I've got so much to say. So let's uh, let's do it in part two. <laughs> so sadly, this is where I have to cut things off and end part one of our real as fuck conversation on the shit they don't tell you about entrepreneurship. We, me and Cheryl, are going to be picking things up right where we left off in next week's episode. But for part one, Cheryl, if you were to offer mm-hmm. a love punch to our listeners for this episode, what would it be? Okay. So I actually didn't have a love punch plan for part one. So let's just see what I come up with. Um, it would be don't believe the bullshit. Ooh. Don't believe the bullshit. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just provide a context around that. Cause I know that's yep. really short. When someone's telling you, you need a website, are they someone that builds websites? When they're saying you need perfect graphics, are they someone that designs graphics? What's their intention with saying that you need that thing? If they can benefit from that, then don't believe the bullshit. Oh, that was so fucking good. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think well on my feet. <laughs> well, Cheryl, it's been a fucking blast. And I cannot wait to dive deeper in part two. 
Thank you so much for joining me in a real as fuck, no bullshit conversation. So for now, why don't you tell our listeners how they can stalk you online? If you would like to stalk me on the internet, you can just Google me and all manner of shit comes up. I'm well aware of what comes up when you Google me. I've, I've said, I know, I know. Um, you, but you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My handle in all of those places is Cheryl J. Muir. And you can find me on my website, which is CherylMuir.com. Amazing. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Love Punch, where I'm challenging thought leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs like you to make a lasting impact. If you love this episode between me and Cheryl, please share it with a friend and hit subscribe and drop a review on iTunes to help me spread the word. Stay tuned for part two of this conversation, which will be released next week. And in the meantime, feel free to connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. My handle is at I am Ruby. I'll see you all next week on the Love Punch podcast.